Andrell's podcast, where the help comes from self and from community, where we engage in communication to better understand ourselves and the community at large. Join in on the conversation. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is doing well on the eve of Easter Sunday morning. Yes, today is Saturday, um, April 11th, I believe, 2020. And um, I come to you with a a brief sharing. I know I had um, stated that I was going to come back to you on Thursday, um, but this schedule is still working me. Um, but I did really feel pushed to share um, with you this brief message I have as we um, find ourselves in the Easter season. It's very different right now. Um, if you are someone like me who's grown up in church and has possibly never missed Easter, because <laughs> um, Easter is so big, it's such a quint- quintessential um point in our faith in terms of the story or the narrative of Christianity. Um, It's such a big celebration. And so it's very awkward for me to be sitting at home and I guess enjoying um, communion on a Friday evening, on a good Friday at home in front of a screen. But I have to say, I'm grateful that we are able to do it. Um, And so today I really wanted to come and share, I guess, maybe in light of this message of Easter and what it really means to me um, in my faith and also maybe the intersection or the point in my life that I find myself at. I just thought I wanted to share this very um, powerful message, I think, for myself with regards to the day between Good Friday and Easter. And so I'm dubbing this um, podcast, The In-Between. So for anyone who doesn't know Easter, my daughter asked me this morning, so it was probably a good thing. Um, It further, it had me further processing and reflecting on what this day means. Um, She was confused. She was, because we did an Easter egg hunt yesterday in our backyard. And so she was confused when I told her Easter would be tomorrow morning. And so she was like, well, how, how is it possible if we just had the Easter egg hunt? Isn't it over? Isn't that all it is? And I got to share with her that Good Friday was the day of crucifixion, the day when, when Jesus died. That is the day we call Good Friday. It is the beginning of something, um, but that it ends or it's celebrated on Sunday when he, he is resurrected. And as I shared with her the message, you know, of course, a five-year-old was very awed by the idea and the notion of being raised again, uh, raised from the dead and the power of resurrection. Although I don't know if her mind fully understood it, but she was definitely awed um, at the idea. After I finished speaking to her, I later, you know, just went about my business, but I was thinking of this day in between. And what it actually felt like for those who had lived and witnessed Good Friday. We know it today as Good Friday, but I'm certain they would never have viewed it or considered 
Good Friday, what they had witnessed. Um, And so I thought of what would I be feeling on that day? The in-between. Because if we're looking at it from the vantage point of Good Friday, we don't know Easter is coming. We don't know Sunday is coming. And so we're sitting in this place of in-between that feels probably like the longest. And the reason it felt long is because in their culture, they were going to go and embalm his body. And they had to wait until Sunday in order to be able to go and do that. Culturally, they did not do what they normally would do when they were burying their loved ones or the deceased. And so they were waiting for Sunday to come so they could do what it is they knew culturally needed to be done. So it probably felt the longest. It felt the darkest because all of a sudden a way of life and somebody who meant who meant so much and who created such a movement and so much I guess even drama who just created so much rejoicing from everything he did when he wherever he went. It felt dark and it probably also felt the hardest the hardest in terms of here I am the day after and now I have to to reflect on my worldview I have to re make sense of everything because in my mind I thought one thing and yesterday something happened that shattered completely everything I possibly thought I knew Everything I thought made sense. Everything I thought was going to fix every single problem. And now it was shattered. And I got to make sense of this. I got to recreate. It was probably or possibly the hardest day. That day between what we call Good Friday and the morning we know as Resurrection Sunday. They didn't know it. They didn't have that luxury. And, you know, it it definitely pulled at me that I had to start asking myself, what in between am I standing in right now? And what can I learn from even this story, this, this moment that made my faith that much more powerful in that resurrection Sunday happened what in between moment am I standing in before my resurrection Sunday that I need to grab hold of and remain strong within that long that dark and that hard moment I can think of a few I can think of some I'm sure they 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 in no way compare to what the disciples and all of Jesus's followers felt on that day, but it feels for me long and it feels hard and it feels dark. And I just had to kind of encourage myself. And I want to do that for you too. I want to share this to encourage you that when you stand in the in-between, it is, it is meant to try us and it is meant to sharpen us. It is meant to strengthen us doesn't mean that it's not hard. It doesn't mean that it doesn't come with its own, its negative sides. But the reality of those moments is that there are still opportunities within it. And I'm going to 
delve into my book, my Bible, and share with you on three characters that I thought of who who likely lived a, a period of their lives in the in-between. The first person I want to mention is Ruth. So Ruth and Naomi, if you don't know the story, Ruth is was married to Naomi's son, and he, as well as her father-in-law and her brother-in-law, all, all the men in that family died. Ruth decided to stay with Naomi when she had um, another sister-in-law who opted to go back to where she came from in, in the hopes to, to likely find another husband to start over again. Naomi, Ruth decided that she would follow Naomi and that whoever, wherever Naomi went, she would go. Her God would be her God. Her people would be her people. And all that beautiful, powerful thing of somebody who's just, who has cleaved and decided that this is a person that I'm going to follow. So Ruth now is with Naomi and she is a widow. She is young, childless. And in that, in that world, in essence, no one to really cover her. And Naomi brings her back to her, where she came from her town, which I can't think of right now. Um, and she encourages Ruth to start gleaning in the fields behind um, that belongs to this man called Boaz. And so I don't know if you've heard it, you know, we, we church girls, we got this, this line. We always say, I need to find me my Boaz, right? Cause Ruth found her, her Boaz. And the way it started is she was gleaning in the fields and just because they were poor, they didn't have anything. And so in order to be able to eat, feed themselves and take care of themselves, she would glean in that field where his, his servants would glean and she would just pick up the leftovers. And then, you know, Naomi being wise, Naomi had a strategy and she got her in a situation where Boaz had to take her on and care for her and became, and she became his bride can get into it, but I don't want to get into it. I want to bring up Ruth because Ruth was in an in-between. Ruth became a widow at a very young age with no option or opportunity in, in that in that community or family she was in to possibly create life and, and create a, a legacy. And so she's living in this place of in-between, in faith and in allegiance to Naomi. And then she followed Naomi's um uh, suggestions and and guidance and had to day in and day out glean until there was an opportunity where she was able to position herself to be seen and taken in by Boaz and when I think of Ruth while she was in her in-between this is my first point she worked and she worked consistently it's hard sometimes when you're in that place where you think nothing is working in your favor to maintain a consistency and to show up and to work. But that's what, that's what Ruth did. Ruth consistently worked until the opportunity presented itself and she was in a place where she could be found and seen by Boaz. And now she's in, she's a part of the lineage of Jesus. So that, that's Ruth. And the point of Ruth's story is that she worked consistently, gleaning on the leftovers. She wasn't out there you know, gathering baskets, but the leftovers and made do with that within that in-between season. The next person I thought of was Moses. Everyone knows Moses. He freed, he freed the Israelites from Egypt. The big Red Sea. He's a big man. He's, he's, he is highly reputable. And I, I, 
you know, I'm not, no judgment, but I have difficulty believing anybody does not know the narrative of who Moses is in the, the Jewish story. So I think of Moses having a huge in-between in, during those 40 years in the desert. So Moses finishes freeing out the, Egypt, the Israelites. They get to the desert and they go and spy the land and they decide that they cannot get in there because they don't believe in themselves. They don't believe that it is theirs and that they can actually claim it. So they end up stuck in the desert. They're stuck in the desert for 40 years. Moses had lost the promise of being able to enter into the promised land because of a, a, mis- a mistake he made. Um, it was pretty grave. But nonetheless, he had this period of in-between where he was living in the desert with the Israelites. And he was waiting to transition into originally what was supposed to be entering into the promised land. But it, in this case, it was entering into his, his promise with his father after having served. So what did he do? He occupied and he established the structure of a new nation. That's the second point. He occupied. So he's in the desert for 40 years. The people have decided they cannot go in there and claim the land that is theirs. And what do you do? Do you just sit there and have barbecue for 40 years and wait until that opportunity comes? And and, and Moses knew he would not enter because he was told he would not enter the promised land. And yet, in the in-between, he established a structure and it holds to this day. If you look at Jewish culture, all those things that have been implemented while they were in the desert, because this is a new people. They were enslaved for 400 years, but now they're in this desert. And for 40 years, there's this training, a retraining of who they are as a nation and what will make them stand out and stand apart. And Moses established that and created that because he was, he was basically the mouthpiece. God would speak and he would establish. So he occupied and he established. Do I think Moses was bummed that he could not go into the promised land? I'm, I'm putting it lightly, but do I think that that hurt and that was hard for him? Absolutely. He's standing on the mountaintop and he can see across and he can see the lands that he was promised or that they were promised, but he missed out on this. And now here he is in the desert with the people who have decided that although God did all this for us, he took us out, he fought our, our Pharaoh, he fought the Egyptians, he opened the Red Sea, but we'll, we can't cross into the promised land. So he has to deal with the people who are refusing to claim what God has for them. He didn't just say, because your girl, I promise you, I'd have been like Leda, I ain't got time for y'all. I'm going to go and just set up a tent over there. Y'all figure it out because I could be spiteful and I'm working on it. But Moses didn't do that. Moses occupied and established a system and a structure that was ordered by God for his people until that time came where he was taken. That's powerful to be in an in-between and in between knowing that you're not going to the original destination that was planned, but you worked still. So number one, you work and you work consistently. Number two, you occupy and you establish a structure that will follow you and your generate and generations to come. The last person I thought of was David. 
David. He was kinged as king or anointed as king in the in the, his fields in the pastures where he he took care of his father's sheep but he so while he knew he was king he didn't become or step into his kingdom kingship for years to come and what made it even more challenging is that while he knew he was king and he could not step into his king kingship he also had to fight and protect or escape from the current king who both needed him to appease him and his his spirit because he would have David play for him because his his spirit was just too much like in terms of he was um, assaulted by the spirit his internal spirit so David would would be able to play and the, the spirit of his music would be able to settle him so here here on the one hand Saul needs David to help manage the the stress and the the spirits that are assailing him but he's also threatened by David because he knows David is people are calling him the next king because of what he's done and so so we have a David who is who knows he is king and who is serving the current king and also avoiding the current king and and might I add he also did not capitalize on opportunities where he could have killed the king and assumed the, the throne. What he did was the third thing I wanted to mention is he honored and respected leadership. And he stayed in his lane fighting the battles that came before him and doing what he was called to do in that season. That's tough. You know, when you're... Your desire is to move out of the in-between into that next day, that resurrection day where you know your promise is, where your promised land is, and you have to wait. And then you have to wait and serve others who are in that position that may not necessarily be the best suited for. But he served and he honored. And here's the beauty of what he did in the serving he positioned himself to be honored when he was in that position. And so this in-between time became a training ground for him for when he would be in that position of leadership. It prepared him for battles. It prepared him as the warrior he would need to be and to confront both his personal challenges, his personal sins, as well as the battles that he would need to go and claim out there. The in-between phase for all these people weren't pretty. They weren't necessarily fun, but they were much needed. They were much needed in that their destinies were tied into what they would do within those periods and how they would be developed, their characters would be formed, and where they would be stepping into. So I sit and I think of my in-between right now. You know, Easter, it's, it is an in-between. On Saturday, the day before resurrection, I know what will happen. And I have to tell myself, as I was reminded this weekend by my pastor, I don't know exactly the details, but I do know I win. So 
as uncomfortable as the in-between now may feel, I need to be reassured in knowing that Resurrection Sunday does come and that he beat, he beat it all. He beat all that was before us, all that could threaten us, all that could come between us and destiny. He beat it. And I need to remain strong within this in-between season, trusting that Resurrection Sunday is coming. And so... It didn't take away my in-between period. It didn't, it didn't miraculously, you know, make everything disappear, poof, pow, gone. It did remind me that I'm fighting a battle that's been rigged and that I'm not. I'm coming on the other side victorious. I'm coming on the other side stronger. I'm coming on the other side better. I ain't leaving the same as I came in. And this training is, is crucial for where I'm about to step into. And so while the darkness was hard, while while it was hard to be separated in body by the person they loved and they followed and they believed, that separation was needed because when he did come back on that Sunday, he sent something better. He sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what actually stays with us wherever we may be. Which means we can split up and go in different direction and we will still have him present. We didn't know that it would cost the loss of his presence physically to gain his presence spiritually. So I'm encouraged. Easter is... Is something powerful and it's something that we need to be reminded of and I hope that if you find yourself in an in-between moment right now that you would find encouragement that you would find hope in knowing that Resurrection Sunday will come and that he beats it and if he beat it you beat it because you're within him so that's my brief sharing and I hope I hope whoever needed to hear it hears it be encouraged Resurrection Sunday is around the corner <laughs> <laughs>